Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Erev uh, Tishabov. Pretty soon it'll be Chatzo, so let me say a few words about the Summum Bonum, or Summum Malum, perhaps I should say today. And um, as you see, it's a very complex matter, but I saw something I figure I'll share with you. It's, it's interesting from the Radbas, and that has to do with how, with this um, big problem, well, let me put it this way, this big gap between what appears to be, on the one hand, the Maimonidean idea that everything's totally spiritual, what happens to you afterwards, nothing about that whatsoever, and the Kabbalistic idea that we've seen, in which certainly very heavy imagery is used, as I've been trying to share with you straight from the, uh, you know, Pardis Ramona, for example, from the Ramak, and from... Um, Descriptions of Lutzato, as I told you last time, has whole ideas of uh, you know coming back, and the final reward is in some kind of a physical state, an exalted physical state, a second Eden, and so forth. So a whole wide variety of ideas, but one of the drivers against the Maimonidean conception uh, historically was the fact that the Rambab seems not to uh, have a good Schaibonish system because. If you're bad, you just get you just get destroyed, you wiped out, and that's not fair because a person could do a lot of bad things, and then you know you just cease to exist. Most people, many thoughtful people, would say like this: I'd rather just cease to exist and go through uh, tortures. Um, this, I think, was a major push, you know, against Ramban and the Gemara. Certainly has descriptions of uh, some kind of punishment, um, you know, in in more than simply ceasing to exist. Now, uh, the and I saw a very interesting Radvaz on this, but he's going in, 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 in the footsteps of the Ramban. The Ramban, Maimonides, says very famously, you some of you will remember this, in chapter 8 in Hilchus Chuba, Hanakama she'en nekama gadol mimenu, the biggest nekama, again I repeat, Hanakama, the revenge, she'en nekama gadol mimenu, the biggest, is she'dikaris ha'nefesh lotiska losam achayim, that the nefesh will be destroyed, and it won't get to Olam Habo, to, to, the, to the other kind of life. Shenemer Hikaris, Hikaris, and Nevajahi, Avonabah. And the Gemara says, one is Hikaris, Olam Hazel, and the one is Olam Habo. Sometimes you cease to exist. Vizehu, I'm reading the Rambam now, not me. Vizehu ho Avadon. And that's what they talk about when they use the word, uh, you know, in the Bible, Avadon, right? Which which you find in the Tehillim and wherever. From the word Ove, lost. Husha Karnosa Anavim Derech Mashal. And this is referred to, the Rambam says, in various terms, but they all mean the same thing, that you cease to exist. Bershachas, Avadon, Tofte, which is a word for hell, Aluka, Becholosh and Kloi Lo. Whatever other kind of terms you use, we these indicate Kloi Vashchasa. Vishig HaKloi Because it's the final destruction, the Rambam says, and this is obviously in the Mishnah Torah, it's a Nigla thing. Uh, this is the final kloy v'hashchasa levisha kloy shein acharet tukuma because there, it, there's no coming to life after this. It's a final destruction. V'hefset sheino chozer liolam, and it's one that's that lasts eternally. Okay, it lasts eternally. 
So, um, you know, you, you get the idea that the, the biggest punishment is ceasing to exist. Okay? That seems to be what the Rambam puts in this. I would say from day one in the 12th century, people said, what are you talking about? No, you, you, so you don't believe in Gehenna or any that kind of stuff? Or the tortures of the damned, which are described in the Gemara, Nigla, in uh, fair detail. And, you know, now we're coming, of course, as you know, for example, comes to mind, uh, Kamsa Bar Kamsa, because tomorrow's Tisha B'Av. Everything I'm talking about today I'm, is a pretty uh, what, morose and pessimistic subject, so it's just fine for every Tisha B'Av. Uh, you, most of you know the Gemara, where, uh, who is it, uh, Titus is burning in this, and Yeshu is in, in, in Soa Rosachas, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Every day they get burned and donned again. So it's the reverse of what the Rambam says. I'm going by memory. Didn't Titus say that since I burned the base of Mikshu, every day I get burned, and then I get reconstituted and burned again? So he has to suffer burning at the stake every day, something like that. So uh, it doesn't sound like, you know, he ceased to exist and does he does. You understand? Uh, and so uh, I'm holding in front of me my rusty, trusty Rambam La'am. And, you know, he says very famously, make it easier for me and you, that I'll read you this note because it already was a big controversy in the time of the 12th century. Halachazu nosna makom litos, that this, that I just read you from the Rambam, could lead people to mistakenly think, it's, it, and it certainly sounds like that, right? In other words, as you'll see in a second, you know, people, you know, t- t- took him this way. Now, um, and that's how the Balitosis understood it, that the worst punishment of the Russia that he's, you know, ceases to exist. But the Rambam makes no mention over here of hell, meaning tortures, Yesurin, and that whole concept. And because of this rejection, or seeming uh, rejection of the idea of a Gehenim, of, of Yesurin, so the Balitosa wanted to burn uh, the Sefer Amada, meaning because cause of this objectional part of of Ilkhaz Chuba. Luli Kamaramban, Pu'arach Igeris Lebrani Sarfas. This was prevented by the Ramban, who was a young guy at that time. It's very famous, the letter of the Ramban to the French rabbis. You can read in English in the uh, Chevelle. And the Ramban, who you remember was to the right of the Rambam, and does not agree with him on many things. Many things, uh, nevertheless, defended the Rambam from being, you know, like putting cherem or something like that, uh, very famously. And the Ramban, who was, of course, a Talmud of, of one of the Balitosas, one of the minor Balitosas, in other words, he had Shaykhs with Ashkenaz rabbis, and he wrote this whole thing. And here's the Keta: Omechazdechem Rabbosenu, Hodiyunu Malachem Ulaseferahu. What? I'm asking you, what are you even looking at this Sefer Mata for? Because we've heard, meaning me, Ramban, who lives in Spain, I've heard that you guys in France read this text as if the Rambam is Kaifer B'dinashel Gehenim. Because he said, that the worst punishment is being completely wiped out, like I just told you. 
Right? But I couldn't believe what I heard when I heard this about you. Because, you know, uh, read afterwards. So notice it's a beferish sifra, not Rambam. The chorus is identical with Avadon. So in other words, what are you going to attack the sifra? And that the, the, the Rambam is denying that there's hell and tortures and and Yisurim as a punishment for 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 um, sin. And here's my way of reading it. Uh, I need sir Talmidchem. I know I'm young and I'm a Talmud of yours. So in other words, I'm I'm simply trying to defend the Rambam. I'm not dingzich on you. You're much greater than I am. The Ramban says to the Balitosis. The Gemara Rosh Hashanah talks about that. You know. That they that they suffer a period of yisurin and then they're destroyed, like it says in Rosh Hashanah. So in other words, at the end of the process, not that there doesn't exist an intermediate process, there is indeed destruction. So you'll suffer like crazy, according to the right amount by God's judgment. For all the sins you did, but after that's all over, you know, then you'll cease to exist. And when it says when the Rambam uses the language the greatest of all nakamas, he means the end of the process. But he didn't mean the Rambam. The Rambam, he says, didn't mean to deny the intermediate process. And he didn't deny as what I call the intermediate process, because the Rambam says earlier, that if you go to chapter three, not chapter eight, in Hilchas Tshuva. So let's see over here. Uh, chapter in Hilchas Tshuva three five. So um, the Rambam does use the language. When he talks about three sins and four sins and all that kind of business, uh, but he says, That means that the person suffers a certain amount, and then this is a righteous person, but he had some sin. So he goes through a purgatory period, but then he gets to Olam Haba. But you see, in other words, he doesn't deny, right? That there's a purgatory period or yisurin, v'chein color the Rambam goes on to say in in chapter three, uh, number five, So knows there is this thing called yisurin, but after the yisurin they get to olam haba. So in other words, the sinners aren't excused from being tortured for their sins. It's just that they divide into two groups: those who will eventually get Tolam Abba after going through the purgatory period, and those who won't. Okay? So the Ramban goes on to say that uh, where, are they, where are they being judged if not in Gehenim? Right? That's what I think is the shot in the Rambam that uh, says Nachmanides. 
Lochain, Nasual Kapayim, Misamud Ben Einayim. Therefore, we exalt the Rambab being a great man, although there's nothing wrong with him. The Kvaro, Kolblain Lunia, Varav, Avram, and David, but similar to Legonzo. And here in, in Provence, right next to Spain, they read the whole book. And even those who didn't Dichonim, like the, the Ravid, didn't say burn it. Right? Lord Sibu Legonzo, they didn't declare war in the Rambam. I will call They all read the book. You agree with some parts. You don't agree with other parts. As I said before, the Rambam himself, the Rambam himself, excuse me, obviously argues in a lot of different parts about the Rambam, but that's different than, than declaring the book heretical. Now, hundreds of years later, in the 1500s, you see over here, there's an interesting, in other words, when all said and done, you could read it like that, but then people said, but it doesn't sound right. It sounds more like the Rambam is simply saying, there's all this Olam Haba business and the spiritual and Nanamizim Ashkina, and then the, the wicked just don't get to be part of that. But it's not anything about them being tortured per se. And here I'm looking at the Radbaz in number 1495. You know, he has thousands of, of and he says, What about this Rambam that I said before, that the greatest revenge is ceasing to exist? And you read all the stuff, including But it seems forced, it seems dochik in the Lashon Rambam. Because the Rambam says, In other words, you get this? It's, it, it's kind of cute. It's that... Um, if you looked at what I just read before, listen, this guy's writing to the uh, Radbaz, okay? And he says, be Medayik, in the words of the Rambam, who, after all, is Mr. Medayik. And what does he say over here? Um, and this is what the Nevi'im call Bershachas Avadon Tafta Aluka. So in other words, that's four words. Be'ashachas, that's number one. Avadon, number two. Tofte, number three. Aluka, number four. What happened to Gehenim? You understand? Now, as we saw in the Mukabalim, Gehenim is a place with a lot of rooms and different departments and, you know, whether it's purgative or destructive, is each kafi myself. Remember we read you in the uh, Ramakan, even more so in the, uh, what do you call it? What's the other guy? The, the Shevet, uh, Shevet Amusser from Elia Davidas. And, you know, they're, they're, they're intense, detailed descriptions of the different chambers and the, the different angels that will punish people in a different way, all of which is obviously to convey the idea that there's Mamash Mita Kenegad Mita. You understand? With an exquisite sense of Mita Kenegad Mita. There's a dedicated angel to take care of people who did this particular sin. Or that one, or something like that, you know, it's um, it's uh, remarkable in that regard. And the Rambam doesn't even mention the word Gehenim. So the guy says, "I I, I don't buy what the Rambam says." Now again, he's a front guy who's running to the Radvaz, and the Radvaz answers, "Chasvasham lama Rambam davar kiyotzi bezer." In other words, you're all wrong. Don't that's for right. And of course, the Rambam already defended him. And 
Masha Shish Linafashis the Kama Kheris El Shizugidol Mikulam Venachran the Kama. When the Rambam says this is the Nakama, Shane the Kama Gidolomimeno, that implies, he argues, uh, that there are other Nakamas. This is the supreme Nakama, but there are those that are not supreme Nakamas, I call intermediate Nakamas, right? This is the supreme Nakama. But that doesn't deny that there are others, okay? If the Rambam would, 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 would mean what you say he means, the following, He would be clear, and he would say that the Nakama is, you don't get to Olam Haba. He'd say black and white. And we already said before, the Rambam talks about others being subject to an intermediate stage. I, what does it mean? Uh, you know, Bershachas, Aluka, and all the other things. Lo hoisa to the Radba says, Lo hoisa kavonas harav lahachish metzias gehenim. Don't understand the Rambam is denying that there's such a thing called gehenim, which implies the Yisurim. Uma komosav, upesachav, vechadarov, vehefesh aonchen afin of anichnasham. Don't think this is just, you know, some Agadita type thing or a Kabbalistic type thing, because I'll say it again. The uh, Radbaz, of course, was a contemporary of the Ramak. And uh, and even before him, you know, they have all these descriptions of the different rooms in hell. The Rambam believes in that. This is what he argues. Isn't that funny? Rambam believes that. Now, mind you, nobody takes this, I, I'll, I'll say it 15,000 times, nobody takes these things literally that they're actually chambers in Gehenna. I mean, it's, it's a metaphysical reality. But nevertheless, it, it, it has to do with machlakot, as we would say. You know, different departments, I don't mean spatially or any other way, but we do mean that they're, they're, they're different realities. I guess that's the best word to use. Looking in English for the best word. So, the Rambam believes in all that? You hear that? Uh, the different rooms and the and the, and the doors, the chadarov and the rooms, the hevresh onshin and the different types of punishment, mita kenegan mita and so forth. Uh, after all, he says, uh, you find in the Gemara such descriptions. I told you that Gemara in Chagiga. They tell you how big Gehenna is and how wide. And if, as you suggest in your question, the Rambam doesn't hold that there's such a thing, then why does the Rambam say every Russia, back in chapter 3, gets donned according to his threat? If he gets donned according to his threat, I said, Lashanar, you're Michal Shabbos, she murdered somebody, the other one did Gilarize. I mean, each one is a different chet. It can't be just one room that, you know, is one fire you turn on for everybody. You know, no matter what your sin is, you tie him up and you put a blowtorch on him. That would mean that there's no differentiation in our punishments, whereas my sin is assuming less than yours and, and yours is greater and hers is even greater and so on and so forth, right? I mean, that's that that's the point. So what do you mean? That suggests, he says, a gradation. Now, it's true, the Ram doesn't go and explain that, 
as opposed to the Mekubalim who go to that, as I've been saying over and over again, in great detail, that, that is true, but that doesn't mean he doesn't believe in it in principle. The Rama may possibly be not as descriptive of, of that sort of thing, because it doesn't sound, you know, rational, even though it doesn't mean it's not true. It's, it doesn't lend itself to rational description, but the, as I said before, the notion that there are different realities out there, so that in effect, there's a Gehenim-type process, whatever you want to call it, and whether you call it a place or a state of existence or something like that. That he doesn't deny, says the Radbaz. Don't think that the Rambam held that the Mokam HaMishvedvonish is a Moshal. The Rambam simply says that the words that they use are Moshals. In other words, if it says there are rooms in Gehenim, the Rambam says that's a Moshal. What does he mean? He doesn't deny that there are different realities and gradations, that there are different types of Yisurim. But don't call them rooms. Don't call them chambers. Don't say he's an angel flying around with wings. Right? Don't do, those are Moshals to the Rambam, who's a big rationalist, of course. But the reality of Mita Kenegh and Mita, that person gets punished according to what they did, that he accepts. And all the others. Or Avadon. Tufta is described as a place with fires and burning, you know. All these are descriptions that are not literal, but they're true. That's why the Rambam used the word kloy over there. Near Mephorosh, she'ain't died of a kavanosel sof kliyas anefesh, so the Rambam simply holds that if you're a big Russia, at the end of the process you cease to exist. But you will have paid your dues. You can leave that up to God. You will have paid your dues in the proper amount of suffering and ownership and all that kind of business um, before that happens. And then the Radvaz says to him, now the Radvaz, of course, lived in the Ottoman Turkish Empire. And, you know, in the good old days, as I've said many times, this is the part that I find historically interesting. Um, today, uh, the notion of torture a- as a punishment is rejected, at least in, in, in Western culture. Uh, it's, it's more like, you go to jail or you don't go to jail. Or I would even say, you get a death penalty, you don't get a death penalty. Suppose that you have a country, Texas, let's say, Texas. I think they got death penalty here. Suppose somebody committed a horrific crime. Give them the electric chair, whatever they do over there. You don't beat them up. The fact that you're killing them is enough. What if the guy killed 100 people? Such people exist. Well, you can only kill them once. You know what I mean? And you don't torture them. Bror la misi Right? If you consider the electric chair misa yafa, but you know, all, all kidding aside, there could be discussions about you know what's a misa yafa. Uh, I'm sure the Supreme Court of the United States will have something to say on that. If you got the conservative Supreme Court, they say now <laughs> with these guys, maybe they'll say fry them and toast them. You know, tenzine. But whatever the case is, the general idea is you don't subject the perpetrator to more yisurim than the death penalty itself. Which, by the way, happens to be in the Torah, the way we understand it. Correct? If somebody does, uh, you know, a capital crime, 
in Jewish law, um, they don't get malchus, and they certainly don't get any other punishments. You just give them one of the four, skil, straight for Eric, and it's supposed to be quick. Right? It's supposed to be quick. So, uh, there's a certain lack of justice in that. But in spite of what I just said, the Torah says that. And in modern times, they also adopted this idea. So in Western jurisprudence, if somebody does something wrong, you, you give them whatever the punishment is. Even if the person spends life in jail, you know, torture them in jail, that may be that the social messias of jails in America or other countries now is a certain torture, but I'm not going that. It's not what the state pre, uh, uh, prescribed. You understand? The state simply say you have to be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever, in the jail. That's the punishment. That's a new zach. I told you before, that starts in the late 1700s. But the basic idea is there's no torture. Masha'en Cain, long ago, before these ideas I just told you kicked in, again, it was in the Torah, that is true. But on the other hand, other forms of law didn't have that. They had, they used to have tortures as part of the judicial process. And so, as I said before, um, the Radbaz lives in Egypt and later in Israel under the Turks. They had the Islamic law and the Turkish laws and all this kind of stuff. They had Yisurin followed by, by, by Misa. You understand? Notice, depending on what the crime was, depending on what the crime was, they could either go straight to the death penalty, that would that be considered a chesed, or no, not straight to the death penalty. We give you a torture. If you know the English law, for example, here it's going to be Tishabov soon. You want to get sick stomach? Go look up drawing and quartering. Drawing and quartering. That used to be a legal punishment. And uh, you can see on the YouTube, I'll bet. And the mamas chop you up little by little, and they cut out your uh, your your kishkas, but but you you're still alive. So you're going through Yisuri Gehenim. And this they would do in England, if I remember correctly, for high treason and some other extreme crimes, right? So it's a major Yisurin, culminating in the death penalty. It's a chesed. I remember Henry VIII chopped off all the heads of his wives and his friends and all this, you know that. And as a chesed, I remember like Sir Thomas More, for example, the famous philosopher, the Henry VIII chopped off his head. So really it's supposed to be that you do drawing and quartering that, you know, he should go through tremendous yusurim beforehand, because that's what the law called for. As an act of chesed, Henry VIII said, just chop his head off. That's enough. You don't have to give the yusurim. You understand? So, but that was a chesed. I mean, I understand the irony, but but it really, honestly, all joking aside, that was a chesed. First of all, I mean, assuming that the guy who chops the head knows what he's doing, there are a lot of cases where they didn't, you know, and that was a different business. But when they knew what they were doing, they could do a one-stop plot. That's why the French, of course, invented the guillotine, to make sure it's a one-two-three deal, um, to get rid of the Yisurim. But um, other than that, if it wasn't, if the king didn't give you a special chesed, you had to go through all the Yisurim. So if that's the way it is downstairs, it's going to be like that upstairs, Dr. Radbaz. Upuk chazi, malchusa da'ara, makin ve'onshin, down here, in here in the Turkish Empire where I live, certain types of sins or violations of the law, they do makin ve'onshin, Right? So same thing upstairs. If somebody does an Avera, 
depending on what the Avera is, and this you have to leave to God to figure out, depending on what that is, uh, either it'll, you know, go, let me put it this way, there may be some kind of a sin, look, I'm not God, obviously, you know, it could be that, I mean, l- let me give you an example of what this suggests. It could be that a certain person has a certain amount of Averas and Mitzvahs, and he's got some big Averas over there. On the other hand, he might have big Mitzvahs. I don't know. It's Kenzine that really he would have to go through Yisurim of this, that, and the other. But maybe the nature of the Mitzvah is like Hasidic, you know. It's so big that, he, that you know, we'll, we'll skip the intermediate and just destroy him. In which case, he ceased to exist, and he's lucky because he didn't have to go through the Yisurim. But it probably never happens, or hardly ever happens. Everyone else, if you did the Chet, you go through intermediate stages, and call that Gehenna, or call whatever you want. Again, not the Rambam, but not the Rizal. Nobody says that there literally are rooms with, with torture instruments in the, like the Inquisition. They're mushals. But the reality behind the mushal is that the person who's a Chote, Right, is a chote is going to have some kind of punishment, and it won't be fun. It may be that um, once the purgatory is over, you survive and you get to Olam Haba. That's the idea of Kol Yisrael Yeshim Kol Haba. That uh, I mean, frankly, that's what most most people hope hope for. Nobody's considered himself a total tzaddik, and everybody would like to skip all the Yisurim. But at least the Chol once the Yisurim are over, then you get admitted into Olam Haba. Uh, but there may be those that don't. Because it says, So that would mean they go through the intermediate, uh, what I'm calling intermediate stuff, and then it's completely destroyed. So you had all the negative and none of the positive. The person who comes out as a tzaddik had the negative, but at least is redeemed by the positive. He went to the Yisurim, or she went through the Yisurim, which again, is no joke. But at the end... After the Yisurim are over, you're admitted finally to Olam Haba, and it's all, uh, all the troubles are behind you, uh, as opposed to the one not. But uh, it could be, you know, uh, I mean, let's put it this way, God knows how it works. So, v'do'ehu, and Drabaz concludes, we say, this is something you should know. So it's just interesting to me because, um, first of all, it has to do with what we're talking about. Summa malum over here, not the summum bonum. And it has to do also with... Yisurim and all the rest of it. And Radbaz, you never know how he's writing because he was a big Makobo, but of course he was a big Nigla guy. Correct? So, you know, it'd be interesting. Maybe somebody's written about it. I'm not familiar with that. Um, it'd be interesting. Did he, you know, did he write this in, in a Nigla mood or did he write it in a Nistra mood? You know, because he was a rabbi for decades in Egypt and then he moved to Israel and ended up in Sfat. And he knew that Rizal and all the other sorts of things, so very vase. But it is, um, it does show you that this problem that the Mukabalm seemed to be addressing uh, is, if you're Medayic, in the words of the Rambam, he too believes in what in effect would be called Gehenna or intermediate punishments, all the rest of it. He just doesn't like the, 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 the descriptive language because, you know, uh, as I said before, it, it bothers the philosopher to describe heaven and hell in such places in physical terms just because it does even though the reality is not denied at least that's the argument that was made anyway i thought that that's interesting and certainly not inappropriate when air of tish above as always this uh is part of a series 
uh, not only sponsored, but spurred by Mishpachas Stefanski. And with that, I wish everybody shall have a good fast. If you're tomorrow, if it works out, I hope to have my uh, keynotes being live-streamed from my show. That'll be tomorrow, you know, what is it, eight, 9 o'clock, something like that. Usually we go for a couple hours. Again, that, you Google it on Beth Abraham, Baltimore. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.